Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. It is December 6, 2015, and I think one of the things that definitely is dominating our news right now and one of the things that is on our hearts are the people of San Bernardino, California, and trying to process exactly what is going on and what our new normal is as, as American citizens. And what I have noticed when events like this happen is that there's a, a first stage that's maybe about one or two days long, and I call that the what stage. What happened? And, and, and you get these, these news flashes, and, and you get little, uh, little pieces of information where you find out that there, there's a shooting, and there's different numbers, and, and where it happened to be, and then you get some video clips, and people who are live at the scene, and they're trying to sort through and, and sift through the information to find out exactly what went on, and how many people are killed, and, and how many people are injured, and, and how big is it? And then after the, the one or two days of what happened comes the why period. Why does this happen? What would be the motivation for someone to do this? And in, in the why period, if that person is dead, maybe we look for a note, maybe we look for things on their computer or personal information or, or whatever it might be on, on what would motivate a person to do this. So as we look at it, we, we, we come to conclusions based on the information that we see. The next step then, I, I, I think as we look at this and, and specifically think of it in terms of a terrorist event, that at some point the question is asked, why do you hate me? Because even though this is an attack on, on people in a, in a different city, that as you look at it, you can ask the question too, why do you hate them? That, that these were city health employees, really? I mean, that a part of us says, okay, if this was against maybe a, a military facility that made bombs that were connected to, at least that way there would be a logic to it, and we would say, okay, we can understand that, that, that there is a, a thought process. But these were people you worked with, people that had given you a baby shower a few months earlier, people that by, by all accounts liked you. And, and it seemed that you liked them as well. And then you can ask the question is, why, why him? That, that when you look at Farouk, he, he was born in Illinois. He, he was an American citizen. So you, you look at that and you say, why? You went to college in San Bernardino to, to be someone who worked uh, with other people in, in the county health thing that, that I would like to think at some level you, were, you wanted to help and, and be even, we call it a, pu a public servant. And then we, we get to hear these words that we get sick. I don't want to hear the word radicalized. I don't even know if it's a word or if it was just invented 
this week, radicalized and, and soft target and, and terror or acts of terror that we, we look at all of these things and we, we ask the question why, but the reality of it is, is I don't think we're going to get an answer that's going to satisfy the, the questions that we have or, or get a satisfactory answer. And so we go maybe back to God. And we ask him why. Why, why is this happening? Lord, at, at what point, how long are you going to let this continue? And as I was watching this unfold on TV like you, and as I was reading news articles like you, I also happened to be reading Psalm 37. And, and I went on, on to the internet on Psalm 37, and I googled, what is the theme of Psalm 37? And the, the first one that came up is, what to do when bad guys win. <laughs> is that not appropriate? That when you look at it, that, that Psalm 37 is a psalm of David, and it's written from a perspective that, that David, as he was young and as David became king, one of the things that David dealt with, and it was a repeated theme, that, that he would go back to the Lord and ask the question, why? Why do, why do evil men hate me? Why are they bent on evil? Why do they constantly come back at me? Because, Lord, all I want to do is, is love you and, and love your word, and for some reason, that seems to make me a target. And when we are a target that is waiting, where I come from, they call that a sitting duck. And, and, and it's someone that is extremely vulnerable. And, and so when we look at that, that it, it does lead us to terror because it says, if these evil men are going to do this, I'm defenseless against them. And nothing could be further from the truth. And that is what Psalm 37 and, and the words of David through inspiration of the Holy Spirit we will go through today. We're only going to go through the first 11 verses. And, and as we look at this psalm, last time I memorized it and, and I shared it with you because that's the way it was used as one of the songs of ascent that they would use. Today's psalm is different. Today's psalm in the Hebrew language is an acrostic. And an acrostic is one that the, the first letter of each verse uh, it, it, in this one specifically, it does the alphabet. So it goes from A to Z. This is what you do when bad people are after you and, and bad people want to hurt you. Another example of an acrostic, and, and I just want to throw this in today, is as you walk out and, and you look at the banners on the wall, crosswalk is up there as an acrostic of our values caring community of believers, real Bible teaching, R, O, outreach-minded, two S's, strong in grace, strong in truth, the W, willing to give of our wealth, A, aspire to excellent, excellence, L, lowering ourselves to be servants, K, keep, keep on learning and growing, 
And finally, an exclamation mark. Always keep going. Always uh, keep that, that drive going to, to, to go towards these values. So that's what this is. It's an acrostic, again, written by David to help us understand what to do when bad people want to hurt us. We begin Psalm 37, verses 1 through 2, 1 and 2. Do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. We're going to go to the next verse, uh, Psalm 37, verses 8 and 9. It's a little bit later, but it's, it's the same thoughts. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Now, as we are looking at this psalm, he starts, and David starts at a place where he's telling them, there are certain things that you need to understand that, that when evil people hurt you, there are going to be natural reactions that you, are want, that you want to take, and you need to guard your heart against those, and, and we'll get to understand why in just a moment. And so in, in the blank you can write, while waiting, I am usually looking for a shortcut. I'm looking for a shortcut. But with the Lord's waiting, there are no shortcuts. And so I could use the examples of, of when I w first got here to Phoenix. I'm the king of shortcuts because I'm impatient, right? And so I'm always looking for the best way, always looking for the quickest way home. And so I remember coming to, to 19th Avenue and, and the railroad tracks that are just south of I-17. Only suckers wait at that. Who, who, who's going to wait for that? I don't have time for that. So I immediately weave my way through so I can go on Lower Buckeye because I'm going to Arizona Lutheran Academy on 27th and all I got to do is take 27th Avenue. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it didn't go through, okay? <laughs> so then you get to 35th Avenue where 30 other cars who have the same idea are in the left turn lane that only has an arrow that lasts five seconds. So I'll go up to 51st. Yeah. The long cut that, that I took, and, and then when you finally, you know, get there and there are people parked and already inside who were, you know, behind you in that line that you realize this, this idea of, you know, not wanting to wait, that I'm going to find the better way. The shortcut turns into a long cut. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of resources in, in so many different ways. And this is what David is, and, and the Lord are reminding you, first of all, in your waiting. There are times that you need to wait, and, and there are times when you need to do something. And you need to be judicious on the difference between those two. And he gives a couple of examples of things that are a waste of your time. Dead ends people take include, and we'll get all three of these right away, fretting, envy, and anger. Fretting, envy, and anger. 
First of all, fretting. I never use the word fret. I mean, who uses that word? What does it even mean, fretting? An example, I guess maybe a meaning of that word, my meaning, is get get yourself all worked up. Write that down because this is important. Get, Get yourself all worked up when you're not going to do anything anyways. And you can't do anything anyways. Example. See, these are, I have a lot of traffic ones. But when they were doing, well, they're still doing 35th Avenue from 27th, from 27th to, you know, 35th on baseline is a nightmare, right? And so one day it was, I don't even know what day it was, but, but traffic was stopped all the way. It was backed up from 35th to 27th. And I, I was in, I mean, I was in jail. I, I, there's nothing I could do but wait. And, and, and I had accepted that. I used uh, uh, the Psalms, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my prayer, be attentive to my cry for mercy, going through it all. And then a guy went into the left, well, it's not even a left lane, that's center lane, went from 27th Avenue all the way to 35th in that lane, all the way. And that's when I started fretting. Where does this guy get off? You know, I'm getting all worked up, and what am I going to do? Go make a citizen's arrest? Go, go write him a ticket? Am I going to? All I'm doing is replaying this tape over and over again in my mind, playing the tape, playing the tape, playing the tape. And it's getting me so upset and making me miserable and not affecting them at all. How often do you fret when there's nothing you can do anyways? There's, it's, it's just let it go. Let go. The next one is envy. And I was guilty of that at, in the same incident. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Because <laughs> I'm sitting here waiting and I, and as much as I wanted to, I just like, I have a conscience. I can't do it. And, and so that can happen too when we look at others, when, when we, what they're doing that we begin. I'm going to play by those rules. I'm going to start doing that. Or the other one then is anger. And now anger is, is a little bit different from fretting because fretting is when you you're get all worked up and you're not able to do anything about it. Anger, on the other hand, is when you, you let it build and build and build and chances are you are going to see that person again. And you are going to find the right time and place and opportunity where that anger is going to erupt and explode on top of them. If that is how you are using your time waiting, it is a dead end. It's definitely not God-pleasing. But it's also, whether you realize it or not, it is wearing you out. David understood this in a very real way. The next portion we're going to look at is a little bit of context from David's life. You might remember that when David was little, when he was young, uh, maybe in his teens, that he was anointed to be king. And so once he was anointed to be king, he was waiting, yeah, I'm going to be king. But he didn't become king for another 15 years. So imagine that if someone told you you're going to be king. And the assumption was that it would come very quickly. 
And, and now the, this, this time period went on and on, and he was serving with Saul, who was the king, and, and Saul recognized David's ability and recognized how much the Lord was with him, recognized how much people liked him. And for that reason, I, I think he realized he was a good candidate to be king, and he wanted to kill him. A number of times he tried to kill him in the castle. David ran away and, and was going literally to foreign countries uh, on the border. He lived on the border just trying to stay away from Saul and his army, and he didn't want to engage Saul. And the reason why is because David knew that the, the throne of Israel was a gift that God could give him, but it was not a gift that he could take for himself. I'm going to say that one more time. David understood that the throne was a gift that God could give him, but not a gift that he could go and take for himself. And as we're thinking about this whole idea of waiting, I want you to think in your, in your life about things that are similar to that. Things that God can give you that you need to wait for for them to come. But if you go and try to grab them, you are doing yourself and God a disservice. We're going to get back to that in a moment. But anyways, in the middle of this, David had an opportunity where, where Saul was after him. Saul went into a, a cave to sleep one night. He didn't realize David was deeper in the cave. And, and David was in there with some of his men. And they said, do you realize... This is a God thing, man. This is a God thing to give you what you want, David. Go and kill him. What more do you want from God than this opportunity? But David didn't do it. But he did take his knife and cut a little piece off of Saul's robe to show him, look, man, I could have killed you and I didn't. I, I cut a piece off your clothes while you were sleeping. You would have never known. I could have killed you in your sleep. And these are the words that David said, 1 Samuel 24, 10 and 12. This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. Oh my goodness. David was the Lord's anointed, but Saul was before David. And David respected that and respected that Saul was the king and that his day would come if it was the Lord's will. But until that day, David had to treat him with respect as well. May the Lord judge between you and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. When we're talking about waiting and leaving room for the Lord to work in our lives. This example, there is no example that is more clear than this one. In the blank you can write, David rejected the other road of refusing to wait for what God promised. He rejected the other road. He didn't fret over the throne. He didn't envy over the throne. He was not angry over the throne, but he put it in the Lord's hands. We continue with the psalm. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Trust in the Lord. 
as he goes from don't waste your time doing this. Now here, if you want a productive use of your time, do this. Trust the Lord. Trust him. Trust in the Lord and do nothing. That's what he says, right? Oh, no, he doesn't say that. Trust in the Lord and do good. So, so when you're there waiting, it doesn't mean that, waiting doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing nothing and just tapping your feet, have your arms crossed, just come on, God, any time, watching the seconds tick by on the clock. But do good. Find opportunities to serve the Lord. In the blank, you can write, at the heart of waiting is trusting that God is willing and able to help. The proof that we have that God is able and willing to help, willing and able, is the cross of Jesus Christ. That if you want to see God's willingness to help you, you will not see it any more clearly than in the cross of Jesus. It's there where Jesus came. He became a man. We celebrate that at Christmas. That's what we're celebrating this month, the incarnation of the Son of God, becoming human, just like us. And as we see the cross, what he was willing to give, to give his life for us, God is willing to help you. But God is also able. We see that in the resurrection three days later. Death was not able to hold him. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is almighty. God is willing and able to help you and trust him. And so in this time period, as you are waiting, trust him. And then the second part is do good. One of the, the things that we've been going through, I think, in our, in, in, our, uh, in our country is we don't know how to fight terrorism. Right? That, that, that as we look at that, we, like I say, we use the word radicalize on what's happening to these people. And, and so we ask the question, how can we stop them? And, the, and there's a bunch of different ideas. And I'm not going to get all political right now. But when we look at the concept of terror, the original terrorist is Satan. He, he's, he's here to scare us, and he wants you afraid. He wants you afraid of death. He wants you afraid of separation from God. He wants you afraid of losing everything you have in your life. And how did God fight terror? By doing good through acts of love. So that you're not afraid of God. How did he come? As a baby. Don't have to be afraid of a baby even when the baby is the son of God who has come to save you. And so as we look how on a personal level, as his children, how we fight evil, what do we do when evil men succeed? As much as you are tempted to, please do not fight evil with evil because then everyone loses. But overcome evil with good. Let's continue. Psalm 37, verse 4. So trusting in God, the next one. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Take delight in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. I need you to ask yourself a question, and, and I want you to write it down, because it goes to that desires of the heart. Write down this question. What do you want? What do you want? 
please answer this question. It doesn't have to be today. Maybe you don't, you don't know what you want. See, that's what we usually ask someone who is holding a person captive or, or someone who, who does something. What do you want from us? Do you want money? Here, we'll, we'll, we'll give you money. Do you want, tell us anything and we'll do it. What do you want? But now I don't want you to think about other people. I want you to think about what you want. What is the desire of your heart? For David, it was not the throne. This verse starts, but delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. You know what David's desire was? To be close to God. And God gave it to him. But what's your desire? Islamic jihad? Divorce? Custody of your children? Your way in an argument? Promotion? Raise? Peace? Joy? Be a good husband? Be a good dad? You tell me, what is it you want? And the Lord says, maybe you need to look at this in a little bit different way because if you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart, which is him, and you don't have to wait. Delight yourself in the Lord. That, that word actually, the take delight in, it, it's used in language more, more like a way a person would think about food. In our growth group, uh, it, or I should say in your growth, growth group, try to get Debbie Weethorn in your growth group and get her to make pumpkin bars. And she has this recipe for, for pumpkin bars. The joke that I have is the fourth one is always the best. Because I start with the first one, I'm like, this is awesome. And then I have the second one, I'm like, you know what? The second one's the best one. Then I have another one, the third one's the best one. Fourth one is when Tanya takes the plate. (laughs) And that's how many I can usually get in. Uh, They're incredible. And and so it's always, you know, hey, Debbie, you bring pumpkin bars today? And no, okay. And and that's what you you have. You have this desire for them, and God says, Take delight in me that way. And, and, and when you do that, you will get me on a daily basis. In the blank, you can write, you can have company while you wait. God gives you the best blessing right now, himself. No waiting. Today, God's promise with you in the waiting, with you whatever you're going through right now. We continue. Psalm 37, verses 5 and 6. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. In another translation where it says vindication, they use the wording, the justice of your cause. That when you commit your way to the Lord, that you say, you know what, Lord? I'm getting nowhere on this. I'm not able to do anything. This is out of my hands. All I'm doing is fretting and I'm envying and I'm getting angry. Then instead, Lord, what I'm going to do is put it in your hands. And we have a word for that. It's called prayer. 
And prayer is the way that we are able to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I understand I need to do good in my life, and I understand that your Holy Spirit works through me, and and there is a plan, and, and I'm asking you for strength to do that. But now, Lord, with these things, they're, with, they're outside of my control. I can love this person at work. I can love this person in my family. I can do all those things, but, but I can't make them love and respond to me. That if there's going to be a change of heart, Lord, I'm going to do good, but you have got to do the rest. And so I'm taking this load and giving it to you. And you know why, Lord? Because you are willing and able to help. That I've seen your track record, that I do trust you. That maybe my situation won't change. Maybe this other person won't change. I don't know, but I do know that it's outside of my control. And I'm putting it in your capable hands. In the blank, you can write, many times the most effective thing you can do while you wait is to pray. Let's pray right now. Dear Lord God, we thank you. We can come to you at any time and talk to you just like I'm talking to a friend. And right now, specifically, I'm going, I would like to pray to you about when evil people seem to win. It hurts us, Lord. And it, and it hurts our sense of right and wrong, and it scares us, and it makes us wonder what the answer is. And, and sometimes, for us, it makes us wonder where you are, Lord, and why you're not being protective and a bunch of mixed up thoughts. And so, Lord, we ask you to help us put our trust in you and to see that you are willing and able. Let us go to your promises where we find peace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Anytime, anytime you do that, you can go wherever you, you want. Commit your way to the Lord. Take time to pray to him. We got one more. Be still before the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. For those who are evil will be destroyed. Compares them to grass, will be destroyed. Don't worry, God's got it under control. I understand that you don't want to wait and you want to see it immediately, but God's on a timetable and it's a perfect one and you can trust him. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord, that's you, by the way, will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. It's just a little while, you guys. Just a little while. That little while might be the the length of your life, but in the grand scheme of eternity, it's a little while. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. And these words, first penned by David, later echoed by Jesus. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Think about that, inherit. You're going to inherit the land. There's the whole concept of an inheritance is that you don't work for it. That's, by definition, what an inheritance is. It means that someone else, whether it's your mom or dad or your Uncle Joe or whoever it happens to be, they worked, they got a fortune, and they want to give it to you. And that's why God uses this. That's why David used it. That's why Jesus used it to help us understand there are things in our lives, we've got to get this through our head, that we can only inherit. We can't go earn. Eternal life is one of them. That had to be inherited through the work of Jesus. 
But there are other things as well as we continue to go through our lives to be able to recognize the difference between whether it's time to do good or time to wait on the Lord and let him work. In the blank, you can write, while we wait, God works. He works on us. He works on others. He works in ways that we don't completely understand. But I guarantee you, he is not sitting and waiting. God is working. So where does that leave us today? That when you look at this, what what did David finally, where did he arrive? And, And what did it look like in his life? And what it was on a daily basis was understanding what was God's role in his life and what was his role? To do good, to do all that he could, and then when that, he hit that line of there's no more that I can do to put it in the Lord's hands. That you go through the life of David, and to the extent that he did that, there was peace and joy in his life. And when he went and took things that he was not supposed to, that's when the misery came. And he was guided back to where he needed to be. And one, uh, in our resilient meeting, where what we use, a prayer we pray every time, is the final one. Not in the Bible, but a prayer that, that is written. This is just a portion of it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we are waiting And as we are waiting, we are also watching for you. And we're also looking for opportunities to serve and do good. Lord, we understand that we live in a world, the truth of the matter is we are vulnerable. Uh, There are things that are completely out of our control. And those things, Lord, we are committing to you. We are coming to you in prayer and ask you to guard us and keep us and protect us. To help us to see that, that even though there is, there's fear and hurt in this world, that where we are going, our destination, Lord, is, is, is certain. And nothing is going to take that away. And so, Lord, in our lives, may that continue to give us confidence as we, we entrust ourselves and our country and, and, and our world to you, Lord. Uh, please continue to work while we wait. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. We didn't go through the whole psalm. But one thing I would encourage you to do, if you want something to do in the next week, is take a look at Psalm 37 actually probably every day this week. And, and as you see, every time you see something that has to do with terror or acts of violence or, or anything like that, the things we see on the news, the things that make us afraid, read through it. This is, these are the last two verses of the psalm. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. So being saved is going to come from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. That's what David found through his life, that, that as he, he, he experienced so many different things, that again and again the Lord was there to help him. 
And the Lord is there to help you as well. And so go with that peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.